Hello, my friends. It was Good Friday today, so I hope those of you who wanted to go to church did. I hope you got some uh, something out of it. I did. Hear me now and believe me later. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading a passage from the crucifixion story. I know I got, I'm trying to read out the Bible, um, and I don't pretend to want to be a pastor. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to go to Tyndale College and study, you know. I don't want to be anybody's pastor. I just want to read the Bible and promote my Savior. I came from a church that promoted somebody else, and I left it to go to the Christian church. And today, I got a little bit more of why I did that. So today, we had to worship with some Anglicans because they rent a certain space in a building that is on our church campus. And that space got flooded and work is being done to fix it. So they, they worshiped with us. And I don't know anything about Anglican Church. I know it's about liturgy. And I know they read out a lot of things. And my friend was an Anglican. And he said he went there and it was really boring, very traditional. And it's like, okay, we're going to worship with them, see what they say. Because I've seen them walking around. I've seen the pastor. I, I waved to him from a distance. But I actually didn't get to know them until today. And I'm pumped. That was an incredible service. And I'm so glad the Lord brings people who are Christians. You know, we may have a little bit of different flares about how we do things, you know, but um, I think it's just awesome. I think Jesus brings people together, even the death. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. So true. And if you're drawn to God, you'll be drawn to each other. The more I am in the Christian church, I don't regret leaving the place I was in. And I'll tell you why. So today we had to read out things in the Anglican church and they had like something called stations. I've never, so there was no physical stations. They were just reading out various pieces of the crucifixion story. And I've never heard this before, but there is, um, I guess somehow the penitent thief. So there was two thieves um, on either side of Jesus and one was the penitent thief. And somehow he's gotten the name of Dismas. Right, so is Dismas in the Bible? I'm just looking at that in on Google, and it says the penitent thief, also known as the thief on the cross, or the good thief, is the unnamed character mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. So we'll read from that in a second. So somehow he's been given this name, and so the station is somebody making up a letter or the words of this thief as he is going through these experiences, where he came from how he became a thief, how he um, is on the cross next to Jesus, and what he's saying, like as if, it's as if somebody wrote down his thoughts. And I tell you, I was so moved. You know, we would, he, the, the, the man who was dismissed was an older man, a Christian man. And you see some of these Christians in the Anglican church, and you know, they're, I guess it's primarily white folk. And they're so mature, and they have such nobility and dignity. And I'm thinking, I'm not like them at all. I'm kind of crass. I got a big mouth. I'm kind of blustering, oafish, brutish, brutish. And they're so mature. And so, you know, the women and the men, they're older people, right? And I'm thinking, I wonder what they think when they see this world, how it's going, how, how Canada's going, how America's going, all these terrible shootings and people screaming at each other. I wonder what they think, you know? And so... This man is an older man and he's writing, he's t 
talking, he's, he's saying these different stations, he's reading out these different portions, and then the pastor is there, his name was Pastor, um, I, I think his name Pastor Paul, very tall man, and he shook my hand, he said, so nice to work with you, and thank you for contributing, and I said, I'm happy to do it, because I was asked to um, speak while somebody else was singing, and it was just beautiful, I was so moved, like, I just felt like, Lord, I can't weep here. I can't cry. You know, people say, oh, I want to see a man with who, ha who is emotionally available. It's like uh, women don't want to see you cry. They don't respect you. So it's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to weep here. I'm going to hold it in. But I was like really moved because this is God speaking right through his word, through the Bible, through these experiences in the Bible. So this man, as he's reading out, so it's it's this man is reading this portion of Dismas. And then the pastor is saying something and then somebody else comes along and we all repeat, we all repeat a certain phrase. So I think this is what the Anglican church is, it's liturgy. Somebody says something, you repeat something or somebody says, let's read it out together. We don't do that so much in the Baptist church, although we have done it in the past. And I really think we should be doing it, right? I think we should be doing it as part of our sermon, but, but I really enjoyed it. And I could see this man who was reading out Dismas, I, I could see that he was moved. I could see that he was very moved because the voice is faltering a little bit, right? And I could see that this, this is not an act. Okay, the Holy Spirit is touching a man at the deepest core of his being. And when you see a man, because men struggle, right? We, we got to be strong. You got to be strong. God made you to lead and he made the woman to have relationship with you. And she can be the love and you got to be the law. You got to lead. You don't have to be hard hearted and she doesn't have to become like another man. But God made the two parts to be together, to give strength to each other. Not that you would be submerged in somebody else, but that you would actually flourish as who you are. God prescribed that. He laid that down and our society is trying to apply new rules to relationships and it don't work. It made me think of my wife. And I know I've come on here being kind of angry. And today, I just felt something in me just like, when this, when this thief is talking about forgiveness and about family hurting you, you know what? Let it go. People will tell you to let it go and you won't be able to let it go. But one day you'll just say, Lord, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of carrying around bitterness and today I have a wonderful wife I love my wife we have been separated for five years I love who the person is but I don't love what they did what they did is wrong but I love who the person is it made me realize that I am married I am separated but I'm not divorced. So maybe when it comes time in the separation agreement to ask for a divorce, I was going to do that, but maybe I'll just let it slide. I read in 1 Corinthians 7, and I don't know really what to do. And I think God says he hates divorce. If you can stay married, stay married. If you can get counseling, get counseling. Maybe you're going to live in a loveless marriage. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can't do that. 
I met a wonderful dude in the gym. He wasn't a Christian. And I remember him saying, I mean, this guy was exercising for three hours. And that was at the beginning of my journey being separated. I remember him saying, you know, me and my wife got together. We went out uh, We went out for dinner together. And we decided it's better for us to stay together than separate. But he definitely did not have a marriage where him and the wife are really close. And he was a very sweet dude, very sweet man. And it just made me realize, you know, you focus on Jesus. And, and that's another thing. So the church that I came from, um, and then I'll read the passage, okay? So I'm, I'm going to read the passage from, from the Luke, the crucifixion story. The church that I came from went back to the old covenant. But the new covenant, you know, we can say all kinds of things about theology. It's always been grace. Genesis 15 verse 6, it's always been faith. But we can say that when you're at the cross, the cross is an instrument of death, and a, and a man named Jesus Bar-Joseph died on the cross. He was executed by the Romans because the Jewish religious leaders believed he was a troublemaker. That's what people saw. A man dying on the cross, maybe dying faster than the other two around him, but God used an instrument of death, an instrument of defeat. And Jesus was 33 years old. He was a young man. He was young. God used that to cover our sins and wash us in the blood of Christ and we get the new covenant. But here's the thing. When you're at the cross, when you see this, when like today in my mind, I'm at the cross, I'm staring up at the cross, Jesus has been marred beyond recognition and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm so sorry, Lord, you had to die for me. I wasn't worth it. I wasn't worth it, sir. I wasn't worth it. And you feel so bad. You feel so repentant. You feel like, Lord, I bow the knee to you. You are God in flesh. You are God. Everything you said was true. You're not lying to me, sir. You are the Messiah, the Christ. You're the one that takes us to God. And how do you get to God? You repent. You say, I'm sorry, Lord, I screwed up. I acted according to my own will, my own needs, my own lusts. I give it all to you. I'm so sorry. I want to do it your way, not my way. Your way is better. Your way is better. And I think when that happens, the cross is where you kneel and say, Lord, I give it to you. Forgive me. I give you all my sins. I give you my heart. I surrender all. I know it sounds corny and cheesy, but that's what I thought. And I think that the system that I came from was the old covenant resurrected again. And if you go back to the old covenant, if you go back to the law, if you go back to the Sabbath, you go, those things are all good things. They're all moral things, but you can't get to God unless you repent at the cross. And the cross happened after Exodus 20 afterwards, because God is teaching us you can follow all the rules you want. You can look good on the outside. But if your heart is still hard-hearted, if you haven't repented, if you're not sorry for your sins, the law will never do anything. It will never clean you. It will never transform you. All it can do is convict you. And if you walk in the law, you will look squeaky clean on the outside but you will never have a transformed, repentant heart. 
And I realized that that time came for me in my life at 53, and I tried to force my significant other to walk, to do that decision, and you can't. You cannot force somebody else to accept Jesus as their savior and to trust Jesus completely. It doesn't matter how many intellectual arguments you throw at the person. I was always well-meaning in what I said, but my significant other was not ready to do that. And it is wrong of me to try to force somebody else to accept and trust Jesus completely as their savior. All I can do is influence people. As Mark Driscoll said, I apply law to myself and I give grace to others. But the reason I want to apply law to myself is because I have been forgiven by God and I want to repent of my sins. That's grace and grace is higher than law. I don't tell you what to think, friends. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And before I tell you, I want to read one more. I want to tell you one more story and then I'm going to. It's only 13 minutes, so I know, I know I'm not a pastor. You, you, you've listened to me yammer on, but I got to tell you. So on YouTube, I see this man before I went to church and he's talking about give him 15. So I guess this is like a YouTube channel and he's just a, he's a pastor. He comes on and he starts reading the story about Jesus being marred and, and he kind of hiccups. He kind of stops and he says, sorry, this is hard. You know where Jesus was beaten beyond recognition? And I got to admire, I see a man struggling and I go, wow, Lord, somehow Jesus, this story, this, what Jesus did for me on that cross, he died because he was a troublemaker according to the eyes of man. But with the higher things, he died for my sins. God let that happen. He let the devil do that. He let our sins do that. He let men do that to his son, his perfect son, so that we could have a loving new covenant relationship with God and be reconciled to God our Father. So this man says, when he's reading, he says, you know, every there's only one place in the Bible where Jesus called God, God. Jesus always called God his Father, except for one time. And that one time, I think, is in the Bible here. And it says, where is it now? Oh, I got to find it. I have to read it to you. Okay, I've got to find this for you because I, I looked it up. Okay, it is in, uh, and the reason I didn't find it is because I'm looking in the wrong part. So let me, let me look here. Uh, here it is here. Matthew 27, verse 46. And he says, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the only place that man said to give me 15, where Jesus called his father God. We call God God because we don't have a tight relationship with God but Jesus always called God his father because of the love and the intimacy. And Jesus died to take away our sins so that we can call God 
Father. I love that. I never heard that before. And I had to tell you about it. Now I have. Why don't I read this part here? It says, so this is Luke. This is Luke um, 23. And it's verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. This is the ESV, by the way. This is John MacArthur's ESV Bible. This is the ESV. The skull. I heard that's called Adam's skull. Isn't that strange that Adam's skull and the cross is like a sword and the sword has been driven into Adam's skull? Adam and Eve were perfect. They sinned. They said, we want to do our own will. We're all like that. And somehow the cross is being driven through that. And now it's as if to say, we want to, the cross is God striking down man's will and elevating his will. And if you bow down before the cross and say, my Lord and my God to Jesus Christ, and you trust him completely as your savior, then you are saying to God, God, I don't want to do my will anymore. I surrender my will to you. Adam's, Adam's skull, Golgotha. And I heard that it was because they thought Adam was buried there. Maybe that's why it was called Adam's skull. And that this place where Jesus died was the exact same place where I, where Isaac ran away from Abraham. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide a sacrifice. God provided a sacrifice himself. Awesome, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I am pumped. But let's keep reading. Verse 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's saying father here. The, 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 the love connection is there, even though God is withdrawing from the Father. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Jesus says the wine is the representation of his blood the good wine and the bread the unleavened bread is his is unleavened it's like not sin doesn't have yeast doesn't have ego and pride it represents his body the 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 the, the bread and the wine the body and the blood of jesus jesus gives us a new heart a blood transfusion a blood tra a heart transformation if you are the king of the jews save yourself there was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. That's what Pilate wrote, right? Pilate said, I wrote what I wrote. They want him to say, Jesus said he's the king of the Jews. No, no, I wrote what I wrote, Pilate says. Jesus is the king of the Jews, and he's the king of the Gentiles, and he's the king of the universe. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Yes. The second in command of the universe, the one who shares his father's throne, thrown over everything, all reality, all space, all time, everything that's ever been built or has ever been built is from Nazareth. 
and now he's in heaven with his Father, our Father, because of what he did on that cross. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, So the other is supposed to be this Dismas. And in the, they called him Saint Dismas. Right? So I don't think that was his real name, but it somehow stuck. I never heard of this before. But it was so interesting to hear this, you know, this letter written from, quote, Dismas, unquote. Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. So in these letters, this station, this man, this older man, this older Christian man, I just, I could look at him and I just saw the dignity and the nobility and how he was moved as he was reading this is, you know, Dismas comes from a very hard family and his father's very rough and he didn't come from a loving family, and that's what turns him into a thief. I don't really know how he got to be a thief. We'll find out in heaven, won't we? We'll find out, won't we? We'll walk right up to him and say, buddy, you gotta tell us the story. We want inquiring minds who wanna know. This man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was never baptized. He never went to a church service. He never had a chance to crack open a Bible. And Jesus says, today I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that gorgeous? You're not going to get this from anybody or anyone. The world has nothing to give you, my friends. It has a lot of talk. It has a lot of good. It even has morality but it also has a lot of corruption and evil and the evil seems to be growing. And as the David Pawson, I've listened to this David Pawson said, you will never hear about holiness from anything else, anywhere else, but the church. A Bible believing, grace filled church from Jesus and his father, you will never hear about being holy, being sanctified anywhere else. If you look at that cross in your mind and you see Jesus and you see what he went through so that God would cleanse and wipe away and cover our sins, may you find repentance there because there, there you will find eternal life everlasting an everlasting joy and peace at the right hand of your Father forever and ever, world without end, time without beginning. God bless you all. Mm -hmm.